The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Community Conversations. I'm your host, Roger Colton. One thing that Belmont is justifiably proud of is the arts education we provide to our kids. Belmont High School just seems year after year to churn out award-winning vocal groups and instrumental ensembles. But it's not just the high school. Just last weekend, if you happen to go to the Chenery uh, Middle School's production of Annie, you were likely to walk away wondering, how do they do that with fifth through eighth graders? So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do they do that? And how can we ensure that Belmont will be able to keep doing that in the future? So for today's show, we're going to talk with Arto Asadorian. Uh, Arto is the Curriculum Director of Visual and Performing Arts for the Belmont Public Schools. Arto, welcome and thanks for taking time out of a school day to come talk with right. us. Right, thanks for having me. Uh, first, you're the, you're the Curriculum Director of mm -hmm. uh, Visual and Performing Arts. Correct. Can you uh, distinguish between, uh, just to, because we're going to set sure. aside the visual arts. Sure, but yeah. Distinguish Unfortunately, between. that tends to happen a lot. Um, but I, I certainly don't. I, I, so visual art is uh, visual art. It's painting and drawing and sculpture and ceramics and printmaking and graphic design and all those things that are um, that are being taught in the classroom. Well, they're actually in the middle of the uh, K-12 to visual art exhibit is up at the Belmont Gallery of Art right now. So if, if folks want to go check that out, it's on the third floor of the Homer Building down at Town Hall. Uh, and that involves artwork from all all schools, all grade levels, and the teachers and, and students have worked really hard to get that up there. Uh, and that'll be up through next Friday, June 2nd. And if you simply walk into the high school and walk down the, the hallway next to mm -hmm. the auditorium, you can see some. Sure. I'm biased, I guess, but I walk there a lot. But yeah. uh, there's some incredible ceramics, and there's some incredible photography painting and sure. up on the yep. up on the walls. Yeah, we really the the teachers and students do their best to make their make artwork a, a a vibrant part of each school. So if you go to the Chenery Middle School, you'll see artwork right when you walk in, and same at all the elementary schools. Now you're the curriculum director for the Belmont Public Schools, mm -hmm. uh, which means mm -hmm. that. People t like me tend to talk about the high school. Sure. But <laughs> you're a system-wide, you're, you're K through right, 12. Right, K through 12. Right. And the curriculum director does what? Ah, it's a good question. Everyone <laughs> asks that question. No. Um, so so uh, it's a really multifaceted role. that It kind of covers everything from, uh, in its most, um, you know, in the, in the truest sense, the direction of the curriculum. So guiding the conversations that teachers have about what it is exactly we're going to teach students in our classrooms. Um, and that can be uh, from a very uh, small level, you know, lesson to lesson level, but also from a grade to grade level, what, what will we do at grade three, grade four? Um, it's the coordination of all the events and performances. It's teacher evaluation and supervision and, all, and hiring and uh, everything that, that falls under the umbrella of the Visual and Performing Arts Department. Well, and one thing I, I hope to take away from today is 
uh, a conversation starting in the elementary schools and sure. going through high school because right. I think people do tend yeah. to talk about the high school. Well, I think it's it's easy to do because the high school is where you'll see the most performances and student artwork certainly is most uh, prevalent at that level or prevalent in the community. Um, but certainly we, we couldn't do what we do at the high school level if we didn't have a really strong elementary school foundation so that when by the time students get to the middle school they have a really great level of skill and and artistry and those teachers do great work so by the time they get to the high school really um, the high school teachers are, are really having a lot of fun with the students by the time they yes. get there because they are so skilled and so far um, ahead of their in their artistic development I can't start anywhere today other than with Annie, mm-hmm. since Annie was just last yeah. weekend at the, the Chenery School. Is, uh, did, did it come off as you wanted it to come off? Oh, uh, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, anytime you can get, I think there were about 100, I, I would guess about 125 students involved in the production. I don't really know off the top of my head and, how and many can was. I, can I stop you there for a minute? Sure. Because it's uh, what I was struck by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ann and I went to see Annie yeah. last Saturday. And you guys are great supporters of our <laughs> of our performing <laughs> arts you. program. Um, but it wasn't just the uh, the actors mm-hmm. and actresses, but there was the pit band, mm-hmm. which somebody said was eighth and ninth graders, mostly uh, eighth and ninth graders, yeah. And then there was the crew, mm-hmm. uh, and there there was just a. Uh, a wide range. Sure. Of, yeah. So uh, the kids activity. are doing everything. By the time by the time the curtain goes up on opening night, it is almost nearly student run. I would say the only the only adults that really have anything to do with the actual performance would be the the orchestra conductor. So let's say it's 125 kids, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's right around what uh, what I was mm-hmm. thinking. The, the Chenery is 1,200 kids? I think it's closer to 1,300 now. 1,300 yeah, kids. Yeah. So still 10% of the sure, entire student population. Yeah. So is, is Annie an in-school activity or no. is it an after-school? It is 100% after-school. Uh, so those students started rehearsing, I think, about the end of January. And I think their early rehearsal schedule was probably once or twice a week, maybe three times a week as, as they got rolling. And then certainly by, you know, the week or two before the show, they were, they were after school every day uh, until 7, 8 o'clock at night sometimes. So it's a, long, it's a long process for the kids and the teachers that are involved in it. Um, you know, you ask how does, how does it happen, and it's really not, it's not magic. It's just a lot of hours of rehearsal and preparation and work and, um, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, as they say. But a lot of work goes into it. And there was uh, the the director. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of the, the people that got Correct. called up so, afterwards. So Nicole Catalano uh, is, was the director of Annie. And this was her first year working with us at the middle school. And there's the choreographer. The choreographer is Monica Frender, and she's um, a health teacher at the middle school, and she's been our choreographer for the show for, gosh, I don't know, I can't, I think at least five, six, seven, eight years maybe. As long as I can remember, Monica's been the choreographer. And then there was the... And the, the pit person, or sure, not yeah. the pit person. Well, there the music director, the, right. The music so director. Andrew Milne, who, uh, who was our um, interim chorus director this year at the middle school, uh, directed the pit orchestra, and, and which was a tall task for him this year because, like you mentioned, it was mostly eighth and ninth graders. And um, so as a professional musician myself, I, I'll get calls to play 
you know, Broadway shows and things like that. And they're not written for eighth graders to play. Those, those parts are really challenging. So being able to pull it off with um, a mostly student orchestra uh, is really amazing. And he was also responsible for teaching the, the song, you know, for the singers to sing the songs and helping them uh, with their parts. And it was a, a quite a challenging show. And, and we can't leave out the crew. Of course. The uh, and I don't remember the name of the gentleman. So Leon Dyer, uh, of course, who is Leon. sort of like uh, he does basically everything at the middle school. He's involved in just about everything that goes on at Chenery. Uh, he's he um, kind of spearheaded the tech crew, the right. the sound and the lights, and uh, you know just it, with middle school kids, a lot of it is just kind of it's like herding cats sometimes, just kind of getting them all going in the right direction. But the kids at Chenery are so great that once you get them, once you show them. Uh, what needs to be done and how to do it. Um, they're, they're really uh, an incredible group of kids to work with. Now, sometimes it seems people like me, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I say people like me, but sometimes folks uh, want to say, what, what's the educational significance sure. uh, of Annie? Yeah. Is there, and you're the curriculum yeah, director, is I'm, there an uh, educational significance? I, I mean, yes, 100% yes. I think that... Um, for for many kids, uh, and I'll just speak for myself as a student. You know, when I was in middle school and high school, uh, I would say that many kids learn more by participating in something like a middle school play or a high school musical uh, than they will anywhere else. Um, not just in terms of their musical, artistic, you know, acting development, but just in terms of uh, work ethic and responsibility, and you know, the, the ki- all those kids that are on the tech crew all had a specific job that they had to do and if they didn't do it correctly or well it could lead to catastrophe on stage so if you're an audience member you don't even see all those moving pieces but uh it's a huge learning experience for those kids i couldn't do the lights and sound i couldn't either yeah i couldn't either (laughs) um so it um the middle school, we started talking about Annie uh, because that just happened. Sure. But the fact is that it doesn't start. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. It doesn't start with Annie. It starts yeah. in the elementary school. Sure. Uh, so we we, uh, we do have a, a fifth and sixth grade theater workshop at the middle school, too, for the younger students. Uh, and that feeds, hopefully feeds in, you know, all the, all the kids that participate in that and have a good experience will, uh, as seventh and eighth graders, um, go on to participate in the musical. Uh, let's talk about mu- talk about music sure. education in particular. Uh, and you start in the the grade school. Mm-hmm. You, you start you start at kindergarten. Sure. Can can you take us through? Sure. And you start. Here's my image yeah, as yeah. an outsider. Um, you start with Twinkle Twinkle Little Star at Bandarama, <laughs> and you end up in the jazz band playing yeah. at uh, the Hatch. Show. Sure. Yeah, it's an amazing journey. And uh, as a teacher, when you see that, when you actually see, you know those those little guys show up and third fourth grade and then you see them in 12th grade at the hat shell is pretty pretty spectacular so from uh, the educators mm-hmm. perspective uh, let's walk through sure. the elementary middle and high school sure. because I, I can't I can't imagine it's simply the kids get better I mean you're teaching different things We're, you're certainly teaching different things but you know one of the things that we talk a lot about uh, not just in Belmont but just in in education in general is uh, growth mindset. It's the sort of buzzword in education now, which basically means, you know, I like to s- kind of simplify things down to the, 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 their core. And what I, what I take away from the term growth mindset is that if you um, spend effective effort over time, 
and practice and practice and practice that over time anybody can get better at anything, right? That's what we try to teach our kids is that um, your ability is not innate, right? It's not as if someone who's an all-state level French horn player, it's not like they just picked up the French horn and could magically make beautiful music come out. They spend hours and hours and hours practicing. And sure, it'll come easier to some or it'll come faster to some than others, but, but what we try to teach kids is that any, that it's hard, it's really hard and it's hard work, but that anyone can do it with effective effort and practice over time. So, uh, I mean, a lot of it is that sort of teaching model that when a student picks up an instrument in grade four or five and the, we have really great teachers working with them and, and giving them great fundamental instruction, but also showing them how to practice skills, uh, that if they keep doing that year after year after year after year, you see, then you see what you see at the high school level where, where they're performing at really an exceptional level. And you've made a change recent, sure. or the change starts next year. Next year, right. The, the, explain the change so, and why you did it. Yeah, so, so we, one thing that we've noticed, and, and I think that this is, um, you know, to, to steal your term, for someone like you who shows up to a high school concert, it's hard to imagine why we want to change anything, right? Because you see the, you see the productions and hear the band and the chorus and the orchestra, and, and everything to you is fantastic, right? Yes. Why, why are you going to mess with this? Um, but when we look at the number of students that are starting, uh, and really we're talking about instrumental music, so orchestra and band, um, the number of students that start at our beginning level, which up until this year has been third grade and fourth grade, and then we look at the retention rate over those first few years, and then how that turns out by the time they get to high school, we feel that our retention rate for, for a program that is really as as good as ours is that our retention rate is is too low that that are that not enough students are meeting success early on in the program uh that allows them to sustain their participation so so kids if i can interrupt mm -hmm. so kids pick up an instrument mm -hmm. and they put it down pretty quick and they yeah. put it down yeah. too quickly or they put it down altogether Correct. so what you're okay. seeing by the time they get to the high school is about conservatively it's about 12 percent of the kids who started out in third wow. or fourth grade and um and you're seeing the best 12 percent which is why the results are you know when you go to hear a performance it's really great because those are the best 12 percent who made it so what we'd like to do is see that pool expand because really um as much as we care about the performance right we want our concerts to be great we want the band and orchestra and chorus to sound spectacular and earn gold medals and all those these things are they are important to us uh, we really believe that long-term participation in music and particularly in instrumental music has uh, incredible benefits for for students not just academically but social emotional benefits and just in terms of their um, their ability to work together uh, to collaborate, their ability to, uh, they become empathetic human beings, right, from making art together, that this is a, this is a hugely important uh, skill that they don't gain by trying an instrument for a year and then giving up because they feel like they stink at it, right? So we really want them to, we want to promote more long-term participation by more students. So, because if you look at our high school orchestra kids, for example, and you, you see them in rehearsal, and you see them then when you see them in their chemistry classes or wherever else they're going after that, these are kids that are doing really well. And so we would like to see more kids in that pool, in that cohort of students. And, and, not, and certainly we, we don't expect 
that 100% of the fourth graders who sign up for a string instrument are going to make it to high school orchestra. But more than 12%. More than 12%. And what we don't want is to see kids pick up an instrument in fourth grade and then decide by January of that year that they're no good at it. You know, we, you know when a ninth grader decides to quit orchestra after five years of study or six years of study, at that point they can kind of make an educated decision about yes. what's best for them. But a fourth grader who picks up an instrument and is super excited in September, when we watch them give up on it in January, it's it's kind of heartbreaking for us. And I don't think they're I don't think it's I don't think they've had we haven't been putting them in um, we haven't been giving them the best opportunity to be successful in our opinion. So we've made some changes and consolidated staff and um, we're gonna make we're making some huge, huge, huge improvements to the fifth grade program that should hopefully lead to, to more students staying in the program longer term. Now, one one word I haven't heard you mention in there is money. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not a budget. Uh, no, it, it's, it's an education it's, decision. It's, it's, it's not a budget. And it's actually costing us more money, to be honest. I mean, we're, we're, we're adding um, 0.4 FTE to the instrumental music program in order to make these changes. So I think that, you know, it's easy to look at it as, you know, well, you're eliminating grade three strings and you're eliminating grade four band. And, and so that must mean that we're cutting the budget, cutting back. but yeah. we're actually not. So we're, so we are sort of, I, I guess, consolidating is the, the best way I can explain it. So instead of we're, we're, you know, we're trying to make the best use of our existing staff and, and make sure that we can provide really high level, uh, a high level instructional model. Uh, at however many grade levels we can. And the way that we've, we're approaching it is to just kind of push everything back and make sure that we're doing fourth and fifth grade at really a high level. One thing I'm confused about mm-hmm. is how does Saturday morning, Allison, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. our daughter, yeah. uh, participated in Saturday mm-hmm. morning music. How does Saturday morning music fit in with the with the current model and the and the future model? Uh, yeah, or just with the schools? Uh, sure, All right. that's a good question. So it's so Saturday morning music school is sort of um, uh, it it is under the umbrella of the Belmont Public Schools. It's a Belmont Public Schools. Um, it's I guess I would liken it to like an after school extra extracurricular program, except that it runs Saturday mornings. Um, Saturday school. I believe, because I, I wasn't here 35 years ago when it began, you'd have to ask John McClellan about it, but um, those kind of programs are intended to be supplemental, right? Because you, you look at what you're offering in school and say, well, we're only giving these kids a 30-minute lesson during the school day, so what can we do to enhance that, right? And back in the day, they decided that Saturday school was the way to do it, and it's been hugely successful. And it's been, quite honestly, one of the... the um, uh, main factors that the, the music program has been able to reach the level it has bec- because what we've been offering in school has been pretty inadequate, especially when you compare it to what's happening in other school districts. So that unfortunately has also contributed over time to uh, our lower retention rates because what, what we see is that kids who go to Saturday school typically will do better in the program and stay in the program longer, whereas kids who don't go to Saturday school, for whatever reason, maybe they have other obligations sure. on Saturdays or they play soccer or maybe their families just like to spend time together for Saturday whatever or whatever reason, reason um, that it's harder for them to um, to meet with success. 
So we've worked really hard over the past several years trying to figure out what we can do, especially at the grade five level, because that's really kind of the sweet spot of where, where you know, they can kind of learn to play their instruments well enough to get them in an ensemble setting and they really start to feel good about it. From a developmental perspective. Yeah, from a, yeah and also just, I mean, that age level in general, 10-year-olds, okay. 10-, 11-year-olds is really kind of a great age. They're bigger, they're physically bigger, so they can handle the instruments a little bit better than they could as third and fourth graders. Um, so we really wanted to try to improve that model so that, so that we're... I guess, less reliant on Saturday school to be the meat of the program, which it kind of has been over the last decades, uh, and now go back to a scenario where if you're a student, you can, you should be able to participate in your music program just during the school day and still be successful. And then we can continue to offer Saturday school as an enrichment supplemental program for students who are looking for so something a little bit more. Um, and that's really the goal for it moving forward. And to close the door on Saturday morning, John McClellan has to retire <laughs> someday, right? Someday. Yeah. I hope um, not. Yeah, I hope not anytime soon. What What happens? Uh, oh, gosh. And this is like the million-dollar question. I, I mean, uh, we'll all be really um, – uh, it'll be a, uh, a big a – big day in Belmont when uh, when uh, on John McClellan's last day for sure um, but um, you know we life will go on you know and we are we are taking steps um, with our staffing and with our curriculum development and you know the thing is like there, there you know there's this movie that came out a few years ago called uh, uh, waiting for Superman right it was an education movie and it was about you know these like kind of superhero teachers and um, John McClellan is is a superhero teacher, right? And what our job is, and my job as the curriculum director, is to figure out, okay, how can we institutionalize a lot of this work? So, so it that, doesn't revolve around a person. Correct. It, it, so that we don't need, you know, I, I get emotional a lot of times thinking about the amount of hours and work John has put into um, the music program here in Belmont. Uh, it's, it's, it's astounding, the amount of hours he puts in. Um, and, and all of the teachers do, quite honestly. Um, but we've got to find ways to sort of protect the institution of our music program so that when we're hiring a new teacher, it's not, you know, expected that you're going to do... Um, I, I mean, no one is going to, especially to us in Belmont, we're never going to feel like someone is going to come in and um, step right into John's shoes sure. and, and fill sure. that void. So we've got to... We, it'll be a team effort, I guess is what I'm saying. I want to refer back to a conversation that you and I had a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. that this conversation was probably more significant to me than it was to you, but I was really struck mm -hmm. uh, because I was uh, talking to you, or we were musing about how when people do, when kids do instrumental music in particular, mm -hmm. they actually get better at science mm -hmm. and reading comprehension, and it affects yeah. their academic progress. Yeah. And one of the points that you made back to me was we shouldn't put music education uh, on, we shouldn't put the justification for music education. Ju right, just on those other academics. Just areas, on those right. other academics. That right. music education or fine and performing arts yeah. in general yeah. has an intrinsic value. For sure. Yeah, for it, sure. It has, you know, uh, just I feel like any study of the arts has, has merit for art's sake, right? So painting is really, it's if you are studying painting to become a painter, that that has merit and it has value. It also makes you um, uh, 
I always just use the word empathetic. It makes you a more empathetic human being and able to see the world in different ways because you're, you're observing things and, and finding ways to represent your thoughts and the thoughts of others uh, through this visual medium, right? Theater is a great example of this where you're, you are physically stepping into the shoes of another human being. So you are saying words that don't belong to you and, yes. and conveying feelings that don't belong to you, uh, but having but having to do it in a, in a realistic way. I mean, that's a really hard thing to do, but it's a really valuable thing. If you think, just think about the discourse we have in this country about with disagreements on e any side of any issue, right? And, and the ability for a young person to be able to put themselves inside the, the mind of someone else and, and sort of feel their feelings and communicate them is, is hugely valuable. Um, and musicians too. It's, you know, a lot of this, this trying to represent a feeling or an idea through you know uh, a melodic line on your flute and having to or uh, you know aren't any instrument and, um, or to sing to sing a song in another language right that conveys some sort of feelings or thoughts and uh, it's just a different kind of thinking and a different kind of mindset and I think it creates a different a special kind of person you know if you've had that experience and I think when you meet adults who have grown up in some sort of an with some kind of an arts background. Um, there, there are, are, you know, usually, usually those are the best conversations you have, right? The most productive <laughs> conversations you have. I know I'm biased when I say that. Um, but certainly there are other academic benefits. I'm, and there's, I won't quote the brain research because I'm, I'm certainly not a, an expert on neurobiology, but there's a lot of brain science out there that um, draws connections between studying a musical instrument and uh, gray matter in your brain and neuropathways and things that are developed uh, at a very young age that through, again, through sustained practice on that instrument that develops uh, um, um, a lot of important academic and intellectual skills. And to me, it's, I've actually written about this in mm -hmm. the Citizen Herald, but uh, th there is a danger in assuming that school, everything in school or everything academically is work. Right. I mean, right. I, I played French horn, as sure. you know, for years, yeah. for decades. And uh, it, it was fun. It, yes, it the, is fun. Right. The, there is an element, there's an intrinsic value of doing something fun yeah. in school. You know, well. What's funny is I don't, uh, I never thought this way until I had school-aged children of my own. So I have a second grader and a kindergartner now at the Butler School. And um, I, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I will. <laughs> but like, all, I, I feel like my, my number one priority for them is I want them to come home Having, I want them to be safe, right? I want to know my of kids course. are safe at school, and I certainly feel that way here. Um, I want to know they've had a good day. I want to know they had some fun with their friends and with their teachers. And and at that level, at the elementary level, I just want them to love school, right? Because they're, oh, I understand all of the importance of the academic material that they're getting in second grade and kindergarten, but really what's important to me is that they come home, they love school, and they can't wait to go back the next day because that's the habit that's going to make them successful. You know, if they feel that way yes, yes. all through their, I mean, imagine you had 11th and 12th graders who couldn't wait to go to school, you know. And for the kids that we see in the arts, really it, it is their, for, for many of them, it's, it's their arts particip participation in theater, music, and visual art. And then it's the same for athletics for a lot of kids. Like that's the hook for them that makes school worth getting up at 6.30 in the well, morning for. You know, that's interesting because I, I recently did a series of TV uh, broadcasts, and, and we're, we're out of time here. We're, we're going to have to yeah. do this quickly. But uh, 
I had Cal and uh, Carly Christopher yes, yeah. as uh, athletics. The TV shows were uh, a focus on student leaders. Mm -hmm. So I had Cal and Carly Christopher, and then I had uh, Eva Hill and Cameron Anderson mm -hmm. yeah. uh, on from the high school quiz show team. And I asked them how they dealt with the stress that was the additional stress imposed on them uh, by their activities in addition to all their classwork. And they both, uh, they all four, mm -hmm. said it, it didn't impose additional stress. That was their stress That's their relief. That's relief, of course, yeah. Uh, so yeah. you agree with uh, oh, 100%, 100%. that? Oh, 100%. I was stunned. Yeah. I, I mean, that's it's it's the, it's a lot of it is the, the actual activity that they're doing, right? In, in athletics, yes. right? A exercise is great for you for stress relief. And music and art are really great outlets. But it's also the social piece of it, too, that I'm sure the athletes, when they're around their teammates, uh, that's probably the most fun that they have that day. And I, and I would assure you that the theater and music and art kids feel the same way about the cohort of kids that they're, that they're with and that they're around. That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Ardo. We're out of time. Anytime. We, we have to uh, <laughs> wrap it up. Uh, we've been talking with Ardo Asadorian, who is the curriculum director for the visual and performing arts. And I do want to acknowledge that we gave the visual arts completely short shrift. We'll Go check out the art show at the Homer Gallery until next Friday. Uh, uh, next Friday being next June, Friday, June 2nd. June yep. 2nd. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for coming. Anytime. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Community Conversations today. Uh, I'm your host, Roger Colton. You can access Community Conversations by going to belmontmedia.org and looking for the BMC Podcast Network. You can also access the Community Conversations by going to iTunes and searching for the BMC Podcast Network. You've been listening to Community Conversations I'm your host, Roger Colton. Thank you. I'll talk to you again in two weeks.